Cordell, there's a new ABBA album. I was going to try and come up with a funny way to lead into it, but I can't. Cordell, there's a new ABBA album. ABBA is back, baby. Welcome to the new part of the show, the ABBA fan cast. Uh, Cordell, is ABBA your favorite band, probably? It is one of the best bands of all time ever. Whether it's my fickle favorite or not, because I change my opinions a lot, probably not. But ABBA will always be up there forever. Uh, ABBA's amazing, and the new album, they sound just as good as they did 40 years ago when they released their last album. Yeah, and like, I always have reservations about bringing back beloved things. Like, I just saw that they're gonna... They're going to apparently remake Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. For who? Why? Like, it's... Overall, it can be yeah. a rough thing, but ABBA, every time, give it to me. We'll never question it. Uh, it's so good. Uh, hey, Cordell, to wrap up, before we, like, start the music, why don't you name your favorite ABBA song, and then I'll name mine. Okay, that's like asking me to name a favorite child. I mean, you're gonna call me basic for it. But it's Dancing Queen. Okay, I do love Dancing Queen, but gimme, gimme, gimme a man after oh, yeah, midnight. Yeah, okay. Always gonna be my so favorite. Good. I raise you, Mamma Mia. I raise you, Voulez Vu. Ugh, ain't no big decision. <laughs> you know what, Caleb? To wrap up this cold open, thank you for the music. And welcome to Just ABBA, where we analyze, criticize, and otherwise size up ABBA. No song is off limits, and no album is safe. Just kidding, it's just Super Guys, where we analyze, criticize, and otherwise size up superhero fiction. No story is off limits, and no medium is safe. But dang it, do we love ABBA. ABBA is safe. ABBA is so safe. ABBA is safe. We can't, we can't go after ABBA. No. No. What, what would there even to be to criticize? Like, what could we possibly say... That's negative. I know. I, like, this is just, ha- like, has ABBA ever released a bad song? No. Nope. Every time I listen to an ABBA song, even if someone's like, well, that's not their best, I listen to it, and I'm like, I can still vibe. Still good. I mean, I Angel Eyes, you know? Angel Eyes is so good. Chiquita, so good. Chiquitita. I, like, let me just, okay, I'm pulling up, okay, Let's go through their greatest hits album, okay? Dancing Queen. Hit. Knowing Me, Knowing You. Another hit. Take a Chance on Me. Come on, baby. Mamma Mia. Yep. Lay All Your Love on Me. Do it. Okay, listen. Lay All Your Love on Me is the perfect Halloween dance song. I just, I love ABBA so much. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. But speaking of music... What's your hero this week? Hey, that was pretty good. My hero, well, kind of, sort of hero, depending on the moment, I brought the white violin. I, yeah, I barely remembered this one when you brought it up, honestly. Yeah, not super well known, so I'll just dive right into real world origin. 
Vanya Hargreaves, a.k.a. Number 7, a.k.a. The White Violin, was created by Gerard Way and illustrated by Gabriel Ba for the comic book series The Umbrella Academy. And in case any of you think Gerard Way sounds familiar, that's because he was the lead singer for My Chemical Romance. Yeah, I no, I'm a big uh, My Chemical Romance fan. I was a big fan of them back in the day and still jam out to their music occasionally. So, Oh, yeah. And so, like, the style and tone of the series is very, very much similar to what you'd imagine a visual My Chemical Romance thing to be. It really is. And, and it's one of those, it's like, I did not know that Gerard Way was a, like, artist outside of music. And so when somebody told me, I think before I knew about the Incre- uh, the Umbrella Academy, uh, the, his other comic, the Something Killjoys, I can't remember. It the might fabulous... just be, yeah, the Killjoys, I think. Yeah, it's the Something Killjoys, but uh, I'm double checking myself, but I heard about those first and I thought they were amazing. I loved it. You want to you know something else I learned while doing this research? You've seen Into the Spider-Verse, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know I love Penny it. Parker? Yeah. The Japanese girl with the robot spider? Yeah, yeah, Gerard yeah. Way created her when he, like, guest no. wrote for Marvel. Yeah, he did a Spider-Verse thing and made Penny Parker. What the heck? So, a man of many talents. Sorry, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys was the first comic. There is Killjoys, and then there's The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys is what I was talking about. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well. But yeah, what the heck? He created Penny Parker? He did. He did indeed. Oh, that is so cool. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have yet to, like, read-read the Umbrella Academy series, but I love the TV show on Netflix, and I... I think it's neat, although it's going to be a big adjustment for the style because it's it's almost like Tim Burton and My Chemical Romance had a baby. It's kind of the art style of the comics. Yes. It's yes. very strangely proportioned and very interesting designs and stuff. It's just going to take it's going to be an adjustment. Oh, 100%. I I think the art style in the comics is some of my favorite that I've ever seen, honestly. So I I'm thrilled to see what you think about it. Well, nice. Continuing on. For her origin, Vanya was one of 42 children born around the world at the exact same time on the exact same day to women who were not pregnant when the day began. She is the seventh and final child adopted by Sir Reginald Hargreaves to quote-unquote save the world. Hargreaves was an eccentric rich dude who heard about these kids and bought them all up. Also, it turns out he's an alien. There's a lot going on there. Anyway. He trained six of the adopted children to be superheroes, but left Vanya out telling her for her whole life that she has no powers and is worthless. Yeah. Like, neglecting and abusing her just constantly her whole childhood. Yeah, not great. Not great. Very bad. Very Um, bad. And then the main plot of the very first limited series, Apocalypse Suite for the Umbrella Academy, Mm -hmm. is about Vanya. After being mistreated and neglected by her family for years, she's manipulated by a man known as the Conductor to end the world. And after that gets sorted out, her trajectory is one of trying to recover and atone for what she did. Yeah. Base powers, changes made to powers. Vanya has the power to create powerful waves of destructive force by playing the violin. And the only kind of sort of change there is to it is that for most of her life, 
her powers were limited by a pill that Dr. Hargreaves had her take so that she would not know she had powers. Yes, which is one of my big problems with the comic and the uh show in general is that idea elaborate so i don't think it happens often enough to be considered a trope but it happens enough that i consider it a trope if that makes sense of the idea of something about you is too powerful or too good or too this too that and we fix it with medicine and we move on and we just hope it. But like that's part of the problem is the idea of like that idea that can be summed up from there. But also the fact that it's like if you stop taking your medicine, you'll be more powerful. It's kind of it's not exactly the message that is tied up in there, but that could be elaborated from it pretty easily. And that has bothered me ever since i saw it okay okay so you you aren't necessarily upset with the plot structure of character is given drug to limit them realizes it limits them and stops taking it you're upset with the possible implications that people who need medicine to be well might go off it because they got the wrong message or yes and it's mostly because i have so uh, there is some history in my life with that, with people that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, there are some legitimately famous people that stopped taking medicine because they thought it could make them more creative or more this or more that. So it's just not a great message that could possibly be derived from this. It's not... I'm not saying that if you go watch this, you're going to stop taking your antidepressants and your this and your that. But that is a message that is popular in some circles that like, oh, medicine just holds you back. And the the potential for this to kind of get out and kind of help that message bothers me. Okay. Okay. So not to psychoanalyze you at all. But it sounds a little bit like it's two or three separate issues that kind of fold into you just not liking it. Yeah, no, no, no. Which is totally valid. It's it. it's entirely yeah. valid because, like, I, too, hate when artists are like, real art comes from pain and you got to be in a miserable situation to make art. That's bad. Yes, yeah. And, and it's, but And it's so – but it's such a common thought process. Oh, I, I know so many people that I've done – performances with and worked on art things with who are like yeah no you just got to be authentic and be hurting to do it and i'm like you're an idiot well it's even like like think through think back on like because we are both theater majors like we both like he has a theater degree i spent a lot of my time in theater my whole life if you think about where oh gosh the guy that had the the acting school in New York that based like his entire thing off of Stanislavski. Meisner. Yes. Yeah. Stanislavski, Meisner, like that idea of like the best way to get the reaction that you want on stage is to relate it to your own personal trauma and then dive into that. It's so it's bad. I'm going to stop. It's a bad you there, idea though, because that's not what Meisner teaches at all and it is the most common misconception. No, 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 sorry. 
No, no, no. I'm thinking Strasburg. Strasburg. Not there you Meisner. Go. Yeah, because Meisner and Stanislavski were kind of the opposite. Like, Stanislavski was like the reality of doing. You need to go and do. And like, so if you're on stage and you're doing this thing, it's going to be more realistic than if you pretended to do the thing. Yes. And then Meisner was more of you have to let it be completely authentic in the moment. Like, most respected acting methods do not include you digging into your own trauma and own experiences. And actually, Meisner is very much against it because... Meisner is, yes. I'm thinking Strasburg, yeah. Lee Strasburg. Because by by focusing on things you've experienced as yourself, you are disconnecting yourself from your character in two separate degrees at the exact same time. But yeah. it's a bad thing, and it's unfortunately been overly popularized by people like Jared Leto or also unfortunately rest in peace Heath Ledger yes uh, also unfortunately a big follower of Strasburg Robin Williams yeah Heath Ledger is kind of the easiest one to point to about this and it follows suit for Jared well, Leto a little bit but like well and it's there... even like there is like a, I, I know I've heard this in theater circles I don't know if you have but there is like a common thing that you tell method actors which is don't pull a Heath Ledger Ugh. Where it's it's fine if you're method acting. Don't do it that way. I personally am one hundred percent against method acting because I Same. we're getting we're getting very much off the topic of superhero things and kind of into a lot more flighty things, but it relates a little bit. We'll come back real quick, I promise, listeners. Yeah. In my mind, the ideal circumstance of acting in general is one where you do not carry it with you off the stage at all. You can't, you can't stop heavy things from affecting you, and that's why you have the proper ways to decompress and cool off and get back to yourself. But a healthy performer with a healthy grasp of what they're doing should be able to walk into a building, prepare for the show, do the show, walk out of the building, decompress, and be done with it. Yes. You, you should not carry things with you that heavily or for that long, you should not take them. You should not take your role outside of the building. And that's my personal philosophy on it. Because I just, there is no way it's healthy for you to lose that much boundary between yourself and a fictional character. Yes. Yeah. But all this goes back to the idea of like a suffering artist and like art is only made through suffering is ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's dumb. It's bad. And, like, artists that I admire and think have incredible art, some of the, the the ones that I know that fell into this idea of, like, oh, only a suffering artist gets stuff done, most of them do it by stop taking their medicine while they're writing an album or whatever. Like, even an artist that I don't like, but, like, Kanye West's greatest album is My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. If you look at the map of his lifetime and where that album released, that was one big manic episode that he recorded and released. He was probably not on his meds at the time. A lot of the time that he progresses that he's not on his meds is when he releases great albums. And he has openly said that he believes that's how he does his best. That's, mean, that's not, not good. That's bad. It's not good. And I think what's tied up in there is, I mean, there is probably some validity to the idea that you are more connected to your emotions to a degree 
if you're just letting them wash over and take over you like that. But you don't have to do that to make great art. That's just not true. And honestly, guys, if any of you are struggling, if anyone's going off their meds, if anybody's if anybody's having struggles and having hard times, having intrusive thoughts, reach out, talk to someone, get help because there is help for you. You you don't have to buy into lies like this. We're not experts, but we want to make sure you see experts. Yeah, see experts. Reach out reach out to a friend, a loved one. Just if you're struggling with anything like this, you don't have to. Yeah. And yeah, all of that comes from the problems I have with Vanya. I getcha. I getcha. Like the, all of that talk we just had boils down to the problems I have with White Violin as a character. Yeah, because there's there's this unfortunate uh, nexus. Connection. Yeah, there's like this unfortunate nexus of people groups and philosophies that could easily get the wrong impression every single time from her. Yes. So I see where you're coming from now, now that we've had a very extensive talk about it. Uh, the rest of it will move on pretty fast, though. Don't worry, guys. Team affiliations. She's a part of the Umbrella Academy, but was never included or allowed to go on missions with them as a kid. So not really part of the Umbrella Academy, but she is. Family tree. There's her birth mother, her six siblings that she knows, and Sir Reginald Hargreaves, along with 35 other unknown siblings who are out there somewhere. Amorous entanglements in the show, yes, but none that I can find in the comics. And retcons, none. The Umbrella Academy is uh, currently just like three short volumes in a trench coat with the fourth one on the way, so there's no retcons yet. <laughs> three short volumes in a trench coat is the perfect way to describe it. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. It's just, I want to see what the other siblings do. Come I on, do, Jared. too. Like, Gerard Way, you created 42 of them and have Wait. only shown a few. Gerard Way, hire us to write for some of the others. Gerard Way, if you're come on the show, one, two, sure, yeah, come on the show. Dude, we won't talk about my chem if you don't want us to. Dude, we won't have to talk about. It. We'll talk about whatever you want, Gerard. But if you come on this show and let us write, we'll be bros. We'll be the bestest buds. We will run everything by you before we write it. And also, uh, don't don't think too critically about the critiques we have. We say them because we love your work. Yes. And I guess that goes for all creators, but since we're talking to you, Gerard, critiques doesn't mean we don't love what you're doing. Yes. Like, for example, A plus on no retcons. Moving on to coolest moment. <laughs> Most of what I know about Vanya does come from the Netflix show, so this coolest moment is from season two of that show. In the finale, the family is under attack from a whole army of commission operatives who it's like a time tra traveler organization and they keep the timeline in intact and all that. But Vanya goes full white violin while under control of herself and sends a whole massive blast and wipes out the entire army and it freaking rocks. Dang. Yeah. I need to watch season two. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. And honestly, that wasn't very spoilery because there's way, way, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I fully, yeah. But it, I think it's worth watching. Caleb, do you have a coolest moment, or you just want me to hit lamest moment so we can get going? I don't. I don't really have a coolest moment for White Violet. Like, there's not. Yeah. There's not a ton for me. I it's not my favorite bit. thing. Her lamest moment is definitely when she caused the apocalypse. Not really a great move. Not great. I will. Not say Not great. Though, I think it's better in the show, 
because in the show it's more of a product of like unintentional pain there's no setting out to cause the end of the world it's just power being released from pain in the comic though the conductor is straight up like i want you to start the apocalypse and vanya's like no and then she gets hurt by her family and comes back and goes okay i'll start the apocalypse so in the comic it's very bad very lame in the show it's less lame yeah yeah i i would agree with that because like there's something about like in the comics, it feels like retribution. Yeah, it feels like she's just angry and upset, so she's going to blow up the whole planet. Yeah, which is just, uh, it's just, eh. Yeah, like, why punish literally the whole world? I don't know. It, it is an issue I've found in a lot of what I've learned about this comic series, is it, while is fun, it's fun and exciting, but it also feels a little bit like everything is just, here's the thing and here's what it is. Let's go to cool stuff, which I don't mind, but I, I kind of wish for a little more depth in it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with on with you on that. Mm-hmm. Live action adaptations. Vanya is played by Elliot Page in the Netflix series. Yeah. And he does They're a really great. good job. He does a really good job with it. He really does. And then Caleb, was Vanya in the Infinity Saga? No. You're right. Personal analysis. Do they live up to their potential? Caleb, what do you think? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Not even close. And es- Not even. Especially in the comics, Vanya is very much stuck on the outside of everything that happens, even after she does it in the world. She gets amnesia, and then she's, like, also paralyzed. Like, ever since then, she's just kind of been hobbled. And I think it's because Gerard Way a little bit wrote himself into a corner by making her so powerful. Mm-hmm. Because... Yeah, it's great when she's the antagonistic threat to end the world, but where do you go from for that? I don't know if he has some grand scheme, but I, it feels like he just put her in a closet because uh, he doesn't know what to do with the character that strong. I would agree with that, and I also have a very fun idea for her. What would you love to see for her? So, uh, amongst my many passions is music. I love music. I, I write music. It's very fun. Cordell... Are you familiar with the idea of the 27 Club? No. Okay. The 27 Club is a group of musicians that all became really famous, really good, and then somehow died, all of them at the age of 27. Oh. Uh, members include Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, Robert Johnson, but... Was Kurt Cobain only that young? Kurt Cobain was only 27. Wow. Continue. Uh, Amy Winehouse as well. These people feel way, way older to me. Maybe because I was a kid when I heard about most of them, and 27 seems ancient when you're seven. It's only three years away from me. I got four years. I'll be okay. I'm not a famous musician either, so. But one of, like, the things that's tied up in the 27 Club is the idea that, like, oh, it's a musician that sold their soul to the devil, like, that kind of idea. And the first person to ever have that myth spread about them was the violin player Niccolo Paganini. I want, like, white violin to become that level of good. And then die? Yes! I want characters to die! I feel like she's, like, 30 in the story. I mean, yes, but, like, basically, like, Niccolo Paganini, when he was alive, literally, there was a time when people saw him playing, 
And this was like in a concert hall. He was a big musician. He was playing solo violin in a concert hall, uninvited. He literally just was in the audience and someone else was playing and they weren't very good. So he stepped up and kicked them off stage and performed his own concert. Niccolo. And people swore up and down his arms were moving. His arm bowing was moving so fast that only the devil could have done it. I want actual demonic possession with white violin. You know, and that could actually be a neat thing where it'd be a little bit of a retcon. But if you reveal that the whole time, what? Because you don't know what the story does not tell you why all these kids were born or what caused it. So if it's revealed that it's some kind of extraterrestrial or demonic origin, especially because the afterlife exists, if it's like demons, that would be a really neat way to power her down while having her be the centerpiece of the story again. It'd be so cool. Okay, nice. And it would also make my like music history loving heart like so happy. Dang, Gerard, let us write for you, dude. Because, well, let Caleb write for that part. I can do other things. My idea was just that she goes to therapy. We have that with a lot of heroes. Yeah, yeah. With great power comes great therapy. Therapy. So yeah, that's White Violin. Yeah. Hey, yo, I I like that. I like learning about it. Hey, yeah. You know what you're also going to like? Oh, no. It's time for Not Super. Super, 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 super. The segment in between our two character segments where Cordell gets to punish Caleb. We talk about literally whatever I decide to. And Caleb, this week, I want to know, if you could be any kind of fruit, what fruit would you be and why? I would be a jazz apple, because it's my favorite kind of apple. A jazz apple? A jazz apple. What makes it a jazz apple? It's a it's a specific variety of red apples that's smaller and it's a little bit easier to hold. And it also has like the perfect amount of like sweet and tart. It's a very it's just a very good apple. Huh. Neat. What about you? I don't know, man. Like what what fruit has Cordell energy is kind of what I was wondering. I feel like a peach, right? I feel like a peach has Cordell energy. I'd be but, a peach. But but you know what else has Cordell energy? What? Like a really good little cutie. Like a little, like... A cutie. Teeny, teeny, oh, little, those teeny oranges. It. Stop oh, it, Caleb. If, if we were fruits <laughs> together, we'd be a little bag of cuties. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really good. I'd like it a lot. <laughs> this is bordering on, like, some anti-Donna weird. Please, can we end the segment? No. Yes. It's your turn. Who'd you bring? This week... I brought my favorite character from this show I'm watching currently. I brought Ida, a.k.a. Ingenium, a.k.a. Tenya Ida. From My Hero Academia. Academia. Now, I'm just going to, like, start diving right in unless you have anything. But, all right, I'm going to just start diving right in. The real world origin. He was created by Kohei Horikoshi. And appeared in chapter 3 of the manga and episode 3 of the anime. And the anime is pretty dang faithful to the manga. So there's not going to be a lot of changes. And again, one of the best shows ever. I love that show so so much. Uh, Tenya's origin and current trajectory. Tenya was born into a family of superheroes called uh, the Edith clan. 
And before attending the high school he's currently at, UA, he went to uh, Some Junior High School, which is a very prestigious private school. Base powers and changes made to powers. Tanya's main power is called Engine, which is his quirk. And it takes the form of like engine like tubes on his calves, which give him incredible speed and make him kick pretty dang hard. I mean, it's not even, it's not even engine like tubes. He has engines in his calves. Yes, he has engines in his calves, which uh, he has one more power. He's also just generally a very smart person and has very good senses. And he's very studious. He is very studious. Now, speaking of engines in his cast, just super science Does Tenya Ida have the potential to accidentally cook himself alive? You didn't. You did not. <laughs> oh, you idiot. Let's do it. Dive in. <laughs> You're so stupid. Do it. <laughs> so, with Tanya Eda's quirk, he has engines in his calves. The only kind of engine it could possibly be with the exhaust coming off the back of his legs is an internal combustion engine. Combustion normally creates heat and what does heat do when you put it around meat which muscles are basically meat cordell you're using a lot of basically's for things that just are combustion means producing heat and meat. i'm sorry combustion muscles are is meat. producing muscles heat. are meat. muscles are meat so yeah like could he cook himself alive and how much of himself so, here's the thing. This required just, like, a little bit of research. More than just, like, doing formulas and everything. I just had to look up the general information and figure it out. Internal combustion engines at their lowest temperature need to be at 87 degrees Fahrenheit to operate. So, not that hot, right? Right. That's not that's not too bad. It's not that bad. Uh, in normal operation times, it goes up to 105 degrees Yet again, not that bad. That's like so, not even boiling. Not even Hot boiling. Hot enough to burn at your its, fingers, but not boiling. Yes. At its most basic, what we're looking at is that Tenya Ida is going to experience some pretty bad burns and going to have some scar tissue build up, but nothing too bad. However, he does tend to push himself using recipro burst and recipro extend. So that made me think, that's him pushing... An internal combustion engine. What happens if we push an engine to its furthest reaches, as he often does with the ones in his legs? What happens? I, so, recipro burst, I decided to do that as, like, if you just burst the engine, flood it, what would happen? How hot does it get? Yeah. It gets up to 250 degrees and still functions normally. Okay, so... He could he could hit 250 degrees with his bursts and not break down. He wouldn't break down. But as you know, because you are a fan of the show, Recipro Extend causes it to break down temporarily. Yeah. To get a engine to temporarily break down, you have to push it to 450 degrees Fahrenheit. What 
point does human flesh cook at? The same as pork, 145. Wait, so he could have cooked his legs at the lowest setting? He could have cooked his legs... He could have cooked his legs at the lowest setting, but he would have to run it that way for about an hour. Okay, okay, okay. At 400 degrees Fahrenheit, number one, he's burning. Number two, he's cooked. And number three, he has potentially cooked whoever is close to him. So, does Tenya Ida potentially cook himself? Yes! Well, I have a small little theory, and that is that his body is adapted to his quirks so that he probably doesn't get burned by his engines, like probably doesn't actually feel that heat. I don't know how his body would do that sort of thing, but that's my hope. And uh, in full fairness, his suit that he uses, which he doesn't use his suit very often, like most of the time that we see him in the manga and in the show, he's just doing it. But when he's in his suit... There is specific coolant systems. So if he's just running around without the suit doing whatever he wants, yes, he's putting himself in danger. If he's in his suit, no, he's actually fairly protected. Okay, okay. So it's one of those, if he were a normal, normal human with engines in his legs, absolutely. But oh, yeah, since, he's dead. since his body grew these itself and can ass- assumably like protect itself from them he's not in any real danger unless he overdoes it yes okay well thanks for teaching me about internal combustion engines and at what point the human body cooks one of those will be really relevant for me which one cordell what's next caleb team affiliations uh tanya ida goes to ua high in a specifically part of class 1a which is like the supposedly best class and it's where the protagonists of the series are in Family Tree, he comes from a line of heroes that all have similar quirks, but the most notable one is his brother, whose hero name is Ingenium. Yes. Uh, Yes, and it becomes very important. I watch the show. It is so good. Amorous Entanglement, he's 16. And wait, he's also not much of a ladies' man in the first place. Like, he's he's the kind of guy that would go his whole, like childhood and early into his adult life without ever having a girlfriend and then meet a girl and they hit it off and like get married he's that kind of guy that that is 100% Ida's like he's husband material not really boyfriend material yes yeah so he's 16 and he just doesn't seem like it retcons none I love my hero my hero is very good it it does very well at what it wants to do coolest moment I feel like we both have one I mean, he's just so good. You you go, you go. For me, I did not go with a cool power moment. Instead, I went with a cool character moment. I went with his fight against the hero killer Stain. So good. Um, And this is a moment which also kind of feeds into the lamest moment as well, which I'll get to. This is a moment where Ida realizes that he cannot do things on his own. There are times when he needs help. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very good moment. I highly suggest this show. Highly suggest it. What about you, Cordell? What's your coolest moment for Ida? I mean, it's been a hot minute since I've watched through it. I'm going to start another watch through soon. But it's got to be the Hero Killer Stain fight. Both for power reasons and for story reasons. Because that was kind of his big character spotlight. And he hasn't really gotten much of one since then. But Uh, yeah, he's... 
it's a great, great moment for you to see what he's about, learn how strong he can be, and watch him grow as a person. It's mm-hmm. excellent, coolest moment in several ways for him. I mean, I, I think to point out another cool moment, and this is yet again another cool character moment, and then a cool, like, power moment, but the not fight against All for One where they use his legs to escape oh, yeah, and get out. Yeah. Such a good moment. Such a good moment. And to help Bakugo escape. I hate Bakugo, but cool moment. All right, lamest moment. He is the type of character that is just like, I can handle everything. And that's very much like his vibe. And that's not good. And it's quite lame to just be like, I can handle everything. I don't need any help. I'm here to help others. Yeah, he's also a bit of a snitch and a big old teacher's pet. He is a big teacher's pet, which is kind of funny because I'm very convinced that the teacher hates him. But Oh, you Shoto Aizawa hates Ida. Ida. I love Shoto Aizawa because, so because much. Because this dude is the least personable, most introverted guy you'd ever meet. And like Ida just is desperate to get his approval. It's so good. It's so good. Live action adaptations. None yet. Mm, please don't. I don't think it would look good as a live action thing. A lot of anime just don't look good adapted. I don't think they're going to do a show. A movie? Or a movie. There are some very weird mock posters of a uh, group, a theater group in Japan wanting to do a theater production of my hero academia what i'll send you the pictures later i i would i'll have to refine them but what in the turn off the dark is that it's turn off the dark okay for those of you who don't know there is a spider-man musical in the 2000s called turn off the dark and it was a tragedy and travesty in several ways that you just have to look into didn't somebody almost die? Somebody either almost died or actually did die. It's insane. Yeah. Look up Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. It is... It is wild. Wildly bad. Personal analysis. D- does does Ida live up to his potential? I mean, he's 16, so no. I, I would say 416... Yes. Yes. That is the way I'm phrasing it. Okay, yeah. For a 16-year-old hero, yes. He's he's doing a great job, and he knows what he wants to be, and he's growing a lot, he's learning a lot. Like, as far as a person, and even as a character go, I'm satisfied with Ida. I I am. There are a lot of, there are a few characters in My Hero Academia I'm not satisfied with. I'll save it for when we talk about them. But a lot of them I am satisfied with. And Ida is one that I am very happy with now what would i love to see for him i want to see him learn to forgive himself yeah he's really hard on himself for his failures and his uh shortcomings and i want to see him move past that you know what i want to see for him what i want to see him get out of his family's shadow yes because i oh my gosh Yes. Because his whole thing is he wants to join his family's hero agency as a hero in his family. He He just, he needs to see that he can do it on his own. And I know we just had a whole thing about how he can't do it all on his own, but he needs to see that he doesn't have to live the life he always thought he had to live. I want him to get a chance to do his own thing. 
and like m this is like major major spoilers right here so like major spoilers right now why is like the hosu incident is like a big deal in the show and like after the Hosu incident, where his brother got hurt so badly that he can't be a hero anymore, he took his brother's hero name. And, like, he needs to learn that he, A, cannot be his brother, and B, needs to learn how to be his own person. Like, that is the entire point of Deku's arc. Why can Ida not learn that? I will say, there's always a possibility that it's a cultural thing we don't see. It is. Like, yeah, I uh, yeah. I will always come back to that. I'm not going to pretend that I understand Japanese culture enough to get why every choice in these shows is the way it is. So I don't understand it. I don't like it. But it could make a lot more sense to a Japanese viewer. Yes. Yeah, it could. And I, I yeah, I'll admit that. If you you're know, Japanese be... or like no Japanese culture, email please. us. I'd love please. I'd hear... love to I would love to understand more. I'd love to hear your perspective on these choices. I would honestly be okay with having an episode of us just kind of like going through our problems with my hero and seeing if there is some sort of cultural thing that we don't get. Yeah. Yeah. We need a guide though. We would need someone who is of the culture to guide us through it. Yes. And that's what I mean is like that, that kind of thing. Just two white guys telling you about Japanese culture that we've never experienced. What could go wrong? Yeah. Oops. Anyway, Cordell kisses a picture. Oh, it's my favorite part of the show, and my voice is very rough this week. I apologize, listeners. I'm you know, you could always you could health. always just stop it. You could always just not do it. That'd be a way that that'd help save your voice, buddy. Nope, I'm not doing it. All right, Cordell, I'm about to send you an extremely zoomed-in picture. Last week, someone got it right instantly. Number one, Cordell got it right Bula. and number two sammy got it right oh sammy thank you for playing along this week it will be under the episode tweet as usual cordell can you guess this picture okay folks it's a lady um with this like the edge of her face and you see a little bit of like shoulder and it's kind of this silvery costume with like a purple sleeve and some some flowing kind of like dirty blonde hair and maybe an earring. She looks like she's having a great time. She's very like laughing. She's like, ha ha. But I don't, I don't know. Um, Caleb, is it Marvel? It is Marvel. Okay, I have a small hunch. I don't know if it's gonna work. I'm gonna take it. Is she in the Fantastic Four? No. Yeah, then it, uh, my only guess was Sue Storm. Um, I'm going to go an X-Men route then, not Psylocke. You know, no, it's not going to be Jean. Um, uh, I'm really lost here, folks. Um, uh, Do I have to guess or can I just not guess? I, 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 I'll say you, you can just not guess. Like, you can just be like, I have no idea. I have no idea. You know what? Fine, Jean Grey. Is Cordell right? Is Cordell wrong? He'll find out in just a few minutes, but you guys will find out next week. He's wrong. Don't worry. Oh, it's time for listener mail. What, 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 what? We actually have an email this week. Whoa. Yeah, it's from our boy Shostin. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, Shostin. Shostin emailed and said, 
you know, I've heard a lot about XCOM, and it's always been in the back of my head as something I should try, especially because I've played a thousand hours of Civ Five. so naturally I wanted to try for Axis's other big series. <laughs> Way to go, that's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours, and Civ Five is, uh, I haven't played it in a while, but I love that game. I never actually bothered, though, because I'm stingy, and $50 seemed like too much for a maybe game. Props to you. I'm stingy on that, too. I, I am as well. But hearing you mention it made me check the Switch version, and apparently it's only $15. Heck yeah, it is. So, I picked it up and gave it a shot. I've only played through a couple missions so far, but I'm really enjoying it. So thanks for that. As for Midnight Suns, I'm surprised I've never heard about it. They put out gameplay trailers a couple days ago, and it's looking pretty cool too. So maybe I'll have to thank you a second time come March. Excelsior, Shostin Awe. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I'm super excited for Midnight Suns. Um, yeah, if you're listening and you um, have a Switch, what game have you been playing the most, Cordell? What's been getting your attention? It's been a hot minute since I've been playing much. Uh, mm-hmm. But XCOM is XCOM 2, there's a whole bundle. It's always a great choice. There's a lot, a lot of gameplay you can go through. And that's great. But currently, I'm saving my money for the November time because... The Diamond and Pearl Pokemon remakes are coming out. Oh, I'm excited for those. I, I personally will not be buying them because I'm not really interested in it. But uh, if you are, I think it's available on most systems at this point, And I know I'm very behind the times in games. Uh, I've been playing Undertale and I really like it. I really do. It's a fun little game. Well, that was the game corner with Cordell, Caleb and Shostin. Yeah! As for the rest of you, reach out. Let us know if we got anything wrong or if you have other input. If you want to suggest a character for one of us to do or both of us to do, reach out. Give us an idea. Email us. Comment on a tweet. Like, we would love to hear your responses. And as always, please tell a friend. If you would like to email us, you can do so at justsuper616 at gmail.com. You could also follow us on Twitter at justsuper616. You could follow the Jazz Apple, Caleb Burley, at Awkward from 1997. And you could follow the Peach slash Cutie at Cordelicious. I'm the Peach slash Cutie. That's me. Oh, my goodness. That's perfect. Oh, thank you to the one and only Haley Northington, the Conqueror, the Indomitable, the amazing Haley Northington for giving us our podcast art. If you'd like to get more art from Haley Northington, maybe buy a few stickers, maybe. Uh, you can find that at littlelight97.redbubble.com. Thank you to the one and only Cordell Hutchison for editing this episode and doing a great job every week at it. This show is produced from by the two of us speaking into microphones from two different spaces, and we still don't know how to end the show. Hey, Caleb. Next time you come visit me, mm-hmm. maybe we can make a banana split. I hate bananas. Me too. Want to just eat ice cream? Yeah. Okay, excellent. <laughs>